0: Uh, Coons, the Australian Open is fast approaching, and as I did some reading this morning, I almost spat out my Carmen cereal when I saw the news around Nick Kyrgios joining OnlyFans. I'll say that again. Nick Kyrgios joining OnlyFans. We'll get to that in a moment with our next guest, footy and cricket journalist for The Age, Mark McGowan. Mark, welcome to Sports Day. How are you guys? Good. Um, do I really want to start <laughs> with OnlyFans and Nick Curios? Can we just get it out of the way? <laughs> Have you subscribed? <laughs> no, don't ask him that. What's the uh, what's the thinking behind this?
1: Uh, look, I think Nick is just a content machine. I think we've all we've all got that. If you're following Nick Curios on Instagram, whatever platform, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, um, I think we know there's a there's a constant stream of posts and updates coming up. Not always about tennis, um, and I think that's what probably what we're in for with this OnlyFans uh, collaboration that he's got. He's, he's promised to play uh, video games on there. He's also promised to probably do some things that might be a bit more risque, but I don't think we're going to get anything too adult on there. But. Um, look, he, he's saying it's going to be free. So if you want to get in, you wow. want to get more curious, um you've got another avenue.
0: For all of our listeners who don't know what OnlyFans is, and I've only just learned what it is as well, I must say, Coons. No, uh, yeah, of course you have, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just, just Google it and, um, and make sure you type in Nick Kieros before anyone else's name. Um, let's get to some real tennis news. I really enjoyed your article a couple of days ago, Mark, on uh, you interviewed Sam Stosa, Paul McNamee, uh, I think Wayne Arthurs was in there, Sam Groth asking them six topical questions. And they are really good questions, but I'd like to ask you these questions tonight and get your views on the questions that you ask these um, Australian tennis greats. So I guess the first one is, what does the future hold for Nick Kyrgios? Because it's a little bit grey at the moment, isn't it?
1: Oh, look, it absolutely is. And I think the thing about Nick, as we just touched on there, he we get constant updates about his life, his social life, his, his everything. Um, we, right now, we're not getting a heap out of what his status is. We talk to people around... And they're probably guessing a little bit as well. An educated guess, but a guess on what he's going to do. No one seems to think that he's going to play at the Australian Open. Even Craig Tiley hasn't given us a whole heap of confidence Is saying there's going to be a decision made closer to. Um, oh, look, I've written an article that's gone up only recently um, on our site about Nick, and it talks about wrist injuries and how big of an issue it's become in tennis in general. But if we focus in just on Nick, um, it's certainly troublesome. Um, He obviously had a knee injury that kept him out of last year, or this year's, I should say, the start of this year's Australian Open. And then the wrist issue was the one that came up just before Wimbledon. And that he has not played since then. So, look, we're we're in the dark a little bit here. Um, I think everyone would be shocked, though, if he does end up playing at the Australian Open. But, again, we've been shocked before from Nick, and and only he really knows.
2: So his his body has been an issue, as you mentioned, a couple of... A couple of injuries over the past couple of years. Do, do you think he's got another final in him before he bows out? Can he get his body right? We know the tennis that he can play, showed it in the past when he's had he you screwed on right and the body is right and the, the mm. mind frame's there. He can get there, but do you think he can get back to that level?
1: I don't think there's there's any reason to rule it out. Um, I think we only saw in 2022. We forget that's not that long ago. Yes, we haven't seen him on a tour this year. A year out of any sport is, is a big deal. and it, It'll take him a while to get back, but especially on the grass where he's already made a Wimbledon final and took a set off of Novak while he was there as well. So we need to remember that. This is a guy who is a genuine threat to every player on the planet when he's at his best. And on the grass in particular, that seems to be his best opportunity. So that's obviously mid-year next year if he can get back to Wimbledon. Um, we'd love to see him at the Australian Open next month. Um, that seems more unlikely than likely, but I, I don't think we can rule out him if he can get back you know, in the next few months and, and build up a bit of form ahead of the grass, um, I think he's definitely a chance.
2: All right. Next up, should Australia bid to host its round of 16 group in next year's Davis Cup finals?
1: I'd love to see Davis Cup in Australia again. I, yep. I think it'd be great. Yes, we'd be up against AFL NRL finals, um, but that's always been the case even before the format change. So I'd really like to see it happen. I mean, I know Leighton Hewitt isn't a fan of the new new format and, there's been a lot of complaints about we don't get the, you know, that atmosphere of playing at home. There's an opportunity right here. Put the bid in, get it in, bring tennis to Australia in, in September. Um, I think it would be great for the game. Where? It's a, it's a really good question because, again, you're going, you've got Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane might all have footy finals on. But, again, you've got to back yourself in. Tennis can't be afraid to take on the footy code. So I, I just think we've got to pick the place that has the best facilities. Um, it could be Adelaide. Um, I, I think it's just, they've got to be smart, but I think all of those states and all those cities have quality tennis facilities.
0: Why do you think wrist injuries are more prevalent on the um, on the tour now than they were? Based on what you said before, Mark.
1: Yeah, look, it, it, look, I'm not an expert, so no. I don't, I don't want to go too deep into that. But I've spoken to an ATP um, physio yeah. um, for this story I've just put up in in the last little while, and it, it's not so much about why it's become more prevalent now, but this talk of ball changes from tournament to tournament. Balls can be heavier, softer, um, all these sorts of things. That can impact a player, um, the way it's coming onto the racket. Obviously, right now, you see some really extreme grips in the, in the men's and women's game, and different different players use different grips, extreme actions. Overuse is the one that keeps coming up a lot as well. You've got a real torque on a player's wrist when they're we're smacking the balls harder and harder. You've got great equipment these days. It's allowing players to get it harder and harder. They're they're playing more tournaments than ever. Um, I think I think that's probably some the answer somewhere in there.
2: All right. Next up is the hard hitting ones that you've asked, and now we're asking you. (laughs) What do you think about the concept of a premium tour?
1: Yeah. Look, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, It's not something that's probably going to happen in the next Mm -hmm. year or so. It's something that still seems quite a fair way away. But I think anything that can can put tennis on the map a bit more especially outside of the grand slams i think that's again a good thing for the game but this is a really difficult topic because you're talking about a sport that has and i know this is going to sound really strange to a lot of the listeners but they have seven governing bodies What? that so you've got can you explain that to us yeah so if you've got the itf the wta and the atp to start with now, the Grand Slams are the other four. They all operate independently. Mm. Now, yes, the Grand Slams might... Be, there's some shared arrangements, there's some agreements, but technically, they operate independently. So you've got seven different views here that would have to come together and agree on a tour going forward. So there's a hell of a lot that would have to go right for this tour to work. And again, it's just a concept, it's just a, a talking point, and this talking point's been going for years. This isn't something that's just come up, so... The, the basic idea of it would be that you'd have almost like a PGA Tour style card, where you know it might be the top 100 or so players in the world. They would all get a card, or however you want to word it, for that season. They would play, say, 14 events. There'd be four Grand Slams, 10 other you know big events. Maybe the Masters, 1000s events would come together. That's the basic idea of it. So whether that eventuates, who knows? But I think there's there's nothing wrong with trying
0: things. That's fascinating. That's really, really interesting. I hadn't actually read much about that before. And, you know, even if you look at it from a golf perspective, and people do compare tennis to golf, you know, largely individual sports, lots of money. um, And there is some Saudi money in in golf, clearly, and becoming more so in tennis. Uh, Just Mm. imagining these competing interests coming together and forming some sort of um, premium tour just seems so out of whack with how tennis has worked in the past, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I I think one of the criticisms of this idea as well is there's already such a big gap between the haves and the have nots yeah. on the tennis tour you see a lot of sports talk about 600 700 athletes can make a living whereas tennis the constant talking point in tennis is how you know it might be 150 players in the world on each each side of the genders actually make a living which just isn't enough And if you do something like this there is a danger of creating an even bigger goal so as i said before there's a hell of a lot of water that would have to go under the bridge but I don't think there's anything wrong with at least talking about these ideas. Whether it comes to fruition, who knows?
2: What's one thing that irks you or something that you like to change about the professional tour as it currently sits?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one for me to answer because, again, that one I wanted the players to talk about because they're the ones that are living on the tour. Now, I know these guys that I spoke to are no longer on the tour, but they've actually experienced What did they say, Mark? A lot, a lot of the talking points were around the the lack of of tournament opportunities for, for what Sam Stosa spoke about. There's not enough opportunities for the women compared to the men. Wayne Arthurs talked about wanting more challenger events in Australia. So challenger events for people who aren't tennis um, devotees. It's sort of the secondary tour down. Um, it's an opportunity for younger players or the guys who are still battling to get into that top 100. They play on the lower tour, less prize money, less points, but it gives them an opportunity to, to you know move up and potentially join that, that elite company. There's not a lot of opportunities for Australia. And when I talk to a lot of the players, they all say the same thing. It's so tough when they leave home. They're away for nine, 10 months at a time. You go to the Europeans, the um, you know the Americans, they can all duck home quite easily. It's a fairly short flight, so they can have a bit of respite during the season. Australians, they're flying back at 15, 16, 17-hour flights to get back home, and they just can't justify that. So... It's a long, long time away. And you compare it to the lives of footballers and the guys who are making a living um, in Australia, um, it's a hell of a lot easier for them than it is for tennis players. And that's why it just adds another layer of challenge to these, uh, these Australians who are trying to make it on the, on the professional tour. A
2: very solid 2023 from Alex Dimonor. Um, if he continues on this trend, what can his uh, season in 2024 look
1: like? I think the first one that he wants to tick off, and he's talked about this for 12 months now at least, um, he's getting inside that top 10. He's sitting just outside. that now he got to his career high of number 11 during the year. And he did that by winning his first ATP 500 event. He made a, a Masters 1000 final. The challenge still for Alex is when he comes up against the absolute elite in the game. And we're talking about the Novaks, the, the Alcarazes, the, the Yannick Sinners, these sort of guys. Actually beating them in a grand slam or, or when they're on. Um, he really struggles to go with them. And and part of that is his physical limitations. Um, He's a smaller guy. He's unbelievable with his heart, his courage, his fight, his speed. He's got all these factors. Now he's just got to figure out a way that he can sort of keep with these guys. And we're yet to see that. Um, He hasn't had a hugely deep run at a grand slam, but we'd love to see it. But I think if he can get inside that top 10, that's a hell of an achievement.
2: Where do you see the women's side from an Australian point of view? I'm pretty certain we don't have a, a player ranked inside the top 100. Is that correct?
1: That is absolutely correct. Um, it, there are some extenuating circumstances there. Like Isla Tomijanovic is she's our best women's player right now. She's missed most of this year with injuries, similar to, to Nick Kyrgiosk. She's played a bit more. She actually won a title um, only a couple of weeks ago. But um, she's on the comeback trail. She's made you know, three Grand Slam quarterfinals. So she's a genuine... Factor at the top of the women's game. She's just been injured. Darius Savile is another one who's been up there. She's been injured, though. Um, so that's why she's out. But you'd really like to see some of these young players pushing through. So they, they've just announced the, the first batch of, of AO wildcards during the week. And a couple of those players there, I think, are, are names that your listeners should, uh, should definitely watch. And that's Olivia Gadecki. We saw her make her main draw debut and win around round at this year's Australian Open. And the other one to watch is Taylor Preston. Um, she's an 18 year old um, top 10 was a top 10 junior she's now almost in the top 200 um, on the women's side so there are some names to watch Kim Birrell also made her top 100 debut this year as well so there's some talent coming through but yeah you'd like to see some more names in there
0: we've got about a minute left Mark uh, Caroline is making, making a comeback I read an article on the age she's a former winner I think it was 2018 that she won how deep can she go in 2024
1: she made the round of 16 at the US Open, and that was only a third tournament back. So yeah. I think she can absolutely aim for at least there, if not, uh, if not deeper. Well,
0: wow, that'd be amazing. All right, really appreciate your time, Mark. Love your work on the age, not just in tennis, but also in footy. And uh, we'll chat to you again soon.
1: Good on you guys, thanks for having me.